93.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. Guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar pills are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15 year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo Alexander. Yeah, and it's Thursday. Zoe is here. Wolf, y'all right over there? Yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. My headset is busted. Okay. I look over and Wolf's like not putting his headset on. It's like, is this a protest here? Uh, Zoe is in the building. And Zoe, we have not got to talk to you yet about uh, the craziness at the end of that uh, the Cardinals-Raiders game. But first of all, yeah. how's it going, man? I'm doing great. Um, back in here again this week with you guys. Good week. Uh, I had to Xavier breakfast this morning, raising money for uh, kids to go to Xavier, where my, my daughter goes. Obviously, all-girls school, pretty epic. Sister Lynn and what she's done with Title IX girls sports. Uh, but then raising money for, because this is expensive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But giving, allowing <laughs> access for uh, individuals that come from um, lower socioeconomic and probably... Um, lower income families to be able to obviously have that experience as well. So that was cool this morning and uh now I'm back over here like I said. So I'm I'm good, doing well. Nice. So, See, we thought you dressed up for the show, but it was for an actual like Yeah, good it was cause. a break. You know, I normally I dress it down real down when I come in here like I'm in the locker room. So I try to get that feel going a little bit when I step into this building. So when you think of what you saw in Las Vegas, Nevada, so it was what's your thoughts? It was exciting. Um I was actually in California. I'm just sharing that to you and uh <laughs> Offline a little bit. I had just come off the golf course, met a couple of my high school buddies over at the local bar in, in Pleasanton. I don't even know the name of it, and was watching the game like a fan. They're all Raiders fans, and so oh, it boy. was <laughs> thrilling. You know, up and down, uh, just an epic, uh, obviously comeback. It was you know that oh, oh oh a couple of times throughout the game, and so everybody really enjoyed it. There were a couple of 49ers fans in there that didn't enjoy the ending quite so much, but uh, right. overall it was an exciting experience and environment in the bar that we're in as we watch that epic comeback. You know, we talked, we have been talking a lot this week about Kyler Murray and Byron Murphy and some of the other, like, the, the big right. names out of that game, but as far as, you know, you don't pull off a comeback like that if everybody's not pulling their weight. So, right. yeah, yeah. who were some of the other guys that stood out to you? And, and, and before we get into that part of it, I, I wanted to say say this, um, and, and I know they ran a lot of two-back sets this week. Um, the Chargers, that are the um, uh, this week when we play the Rams, they actually do some two-back sets as well. <laughs> Can we please hire a fullback and not have tight ends try to be lead blockers? Uh, They're just not. They're just not lead blockers. They're not lead blockers. Please just get a fullback on the roster. What what are you talking about, though? Because I thought what Sean McVay did was one of the most genius things I've ever I've ever seen. Because they got a kid. They got a kid. Who is a wide receiver? Yeah, the wide receiver. No, yeah, I'm a, and I'm gonna put him right in the backfield, about three yards deep. Somebody needs to just lay him out. It just looks, it looks so soft. Yeah, um, I, I, and I get it. I, I was, I was actually impressed. I was because the kid because he sticks his face in there. Okay, exactly I give it. What he so we're talking shows. about. We yeah, we're talking about. I don't want to do for the segment. But we're talking about two different things. Kudos 
for him to be willing to get back there. Obviously, he's he wants to do anything to be on the field. Ben Skoranek is who we're yes. talking about. Yes, and, and, put exactly. it, and he will throw and he will throw his face in there. But oh, I wish I was playing weak outside linebacker right now, and they wanted to run league week, and they may even get me one time on the okie doke after they run the lead, not sit him down. I know that's what they're setting up on whoever's going to run up in there and want to sit him down a little bit. The okie doke and it's like a pop pass to him. I get it. I get it. I just. I just don't. I just don't like it. Just looks soft yeah. to me when it, when the, yeah, the tight no. ends and the receivers back there, and they're running the ball. You have the goal. You have the goal. Oh. That's what you want. Yes. Is that what you're telling me? Right. 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 That is a cardinal sin. My coaches. <laughs> if you ever, whether it's a crack toss lead, he cuts you out. If he ever wins that down, you might as well just start walking to the sideline. They did it over and over and yes. over again against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, they did. They went. Is that eleven or is it twenty-one? Right. What are you, you going to count Skaronic as Ben? Skaronic, what do you get to count him as? Uh, you get to count him as a fullback. Uh, tw- hey, listen, they went out and they ran schemes. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They ran twenty-one personal right. schemes. And so yeah, we'll, I know we'll get to that, but they're going to have a theme of the week. You know, when you think about Sean McVay, I don't. I, I, it may not look the same, but they're going to have some sometime to theme coming up this week, and they have to be ready for that and be ready for the adjustments because Sean McVay does an excellent job of making everything look the same, but it ends up being something I different know. in the way he schemes specifically for you. And obviously, he's done a great job over the years with the Cardinals, against the Cardinals in in that vein. But yeah, I wanted to definitely point out, um, obviously, some other guys in this game. I think one of the guys that popped, and everybody's been talking about him, is just Pew back in the lineup and his physicality. Mm -hmm. And really, that series right before halftime, you can start seeing some of the dog mentality, him coming out of him, as far as just some of the double teams, climbing up to the second level, finishing guys. It's where I really thought the momentum as far as, okay, we have to do something started it didn't manifest itself really completely into maybe the second drive in the second half but it started right there before halftime and then man this dude greg dortch um <laughs> yeah i mean yeah I, even when some of these other guys come back he's earned the right to Amen. still be a part of whatever they got going on because he's, he's he's the reason why they actually started he started they got that first big catch right had a the touchdown catch and then had another yes. big catch later in the third or fourth quarter again oh, yeah. and set them up right Huge. before the I think the screen pass to Ertz right mm-hmm. so he has been a vital uh, piece of this I just really like what he's doing and so those two guys uh, really really pop for me um, I also thought Zach Allen had a really big time uh, two plays in a row that really set him up to stay in the game he had a tackle for loss down the red zone and then the next play was able to get Carr off the spot pressuring hit him because somebody was open I think one of the linebackers had lost uh, Waller a little bit on a cross yeah, uh, he had ran like a 7 on him had, okay. had like stemmed okay. him in and then broke it back out for a 7 forgot the linebacker that was guarding him and if if Carr had like a split second longer probably would have found him in the end zone for a touchdown which would have then kind of sealed the game and so those three guys I think really stepped up and did their part to get this team in a position to to, to win the game so it was kind of cool to see that and uh, obviously you know what Kyler did but just wanted to focus on some of those auxiliary guys that are not going to get the shine maybe didn't see it but I thought played a, a significant role in, in, in that Cardinals win. Yeah absolutely we were just talking about it before Kyler Murray has these games where he kind of goes off like that at the end but you 
don't typically win them <laughs> because you need everybody else to be doing it too, and they did uh, on Sunday. When we come back, Zoe's going to stick around. What's next for the Suns following Robert Sarver's decision to sell the team? The lowdown continues next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Sports. Like this. Lorenzo Alexander, 15-year NFL veteran. And he is going to get sacked. Lorenzo Alexander, the former Cardinal. The Lowdown with Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Alexander is here. It is the lowdown on the Wolf and Luke show. Of course, it is a Thursday, and we're just talking about this during the break. How, how, how much has changed in the last week since Zoe was in here? Obviously, the Cardinals, it feels like they're in a much better place after just really one half of very good football. Uh, you know, the ASU stuff, and then, of course, the, uh, the Robert Sarver stuff, which really took off yesterday with the uh, announcement that he's going to sell the team. So, Zoe, I, I just want to start here with, with this to get your uh, reaction to this. Um, one of the things that really stood out, and I don't think it was a surprise, but it, it did stand out, was the power that the players have. And you knew LeBron had power. Obviously, right. Chris Paul was going to have power. Brian Windhorst was on this morning, and he referenced how powerful Draymond Green, just talking about it on his own podcast, was. Um, that is, it's definitely evident in the NBA. Do you think it's at that same level in the other sports, or is the NBA just more conducive because there's not that many players for them having that much power? Yeah, I mean, there's certain guys, it's, at least in the NFL, if they speak, it means something. They carry a lot of weight. You know, you think about any of the, the top tier quarterbacks, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, yeah. Russ Wilson, right? You can go on and on as far as quarterbacks, and there's probably a handful of positional players that fall in that same. Elkers, if they, if they speak, um, things happen um, because a lot of those guys, you know, players make a significant amount more money these days to where they have relationships with the PayPal's, the Google's, the Amazon's, right? And so they're actually in those spaces because they're investing in doing these business deals because of this movement of more than or player and. And so I think there's a lot of guys. And so when those guys speak up where they utilize, you know, Larry Fitzgerald being another one, right? Right here in the Valley. When they utilize their platform and relationships for now being able to be a part of these discussions and in these rooms things move and we saw that obviously with PayPal and I'm pretty sure there's probably other businesses and individuals that had conversations and things began to move and that's why he probably, Robert Sarber ended up making this decision, let me just sell kind of get out of here, get out of it, get out of the limelight because as long as he was still going to be involved it was always going to be a story and he was never going to almost now you can kind of move away from it reinvent yourself you know he said he's been moving progress and change and what that means you know I, I don't quite know but at least you can now kind of hit the reset button from his personal perspective and then allow the organization to make a shift make a change and obviously leadership obviously I hope that this process as far as who they vet and approve to come in right is a is a diverse group um, and well represented when I say diverse you know, you have black ownership. You have some some women in there. You know, you have a real diverse group of people. Because um, I think oftentimes we hear minority owner, and we think minority means like they're 
minorities, yeah. but they're not. They yeah. just don't have yeah. a high percentage of money uh, invested in the organization. So hopefully whoever comes in and then they can move forward in a very um, um, collaborative effort and in, 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 in establish a new culture here in the, in the Valley that really represents what the NBA stands for and this community stands for. So were you surprised that um, Robert Sarber agreed or made the announcement to sell the team this quickly? Based? I don't know him personally. Yeah. So based on what people have told me of of who he is, yes. I mean, it happened that is real quick. It's not even like I'm going to try to hold off and try to right. fight for, you know, right. who I am and, you know, being a stubborn individual and also owners and people that normally make that type of money feel. And you can hear it in some of the things that he said. Well, that's this is not right. It's not fair. Um, and, and try to fight for something that he feels that is his because he bought his money and ownership much more like a, a Daniel Snyder. Right. More in that in that vein, I thought he might have land, uh, leaned versus moving on quickly and trying to move move forward. So maybe that shows a little bit of self-awareness, right, of the situation mm-hmm. and what this w- would end up for him a year later, what it would look like, um, that he's able to, okay, let me just cut my ties, cut my law. Well, it's not l- losses as far as ownership and power, yeah. not financial not losses, yeah. right, um, and let me shift and move forward and then maybe in a year he, you know, is somewhere else doing something different but still can be in the space but people kind of forget after the, you know with the news cycles yeah. people are already on to the to the next thing yeah. right so it may work out for him from a PR perspective yeah I mean it, it sort of seemed inevitable that, that the momentum was going to build to get to this point but not eight days eight days is yeah, it's quick. quick it's quick it's quick yeah. to get guys to switch their mind especially when you feel like I, you know based on how he's worded things I, I agree but I don't agree yeah. right you know when totally you yeah. feel like he was all wrong. on board with everything that was processing and really admitting or uh, owning up to the culture that he established wholeheartedly. But maybe somebody talked to him that he really trusts. Hey, man, this is where you at. This is what it is. You need to move on. And, 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 and obviously when money's connected to that, that even speeds up the process as well. You know what's amazing about this, too? You mentioned the culture right there. And it's so important. You know, a, a business culture, of course. Yeah. Yet every dad that is out there right now, every parent that is out there right now listening, you set the culture for your family, too. Mm -hmm. There is culture that exists on a family basis and a family level just as much as it does for a corporation. It reminds me, whenever something like this happens, though, this is just me personally, but it reminds me, what are you doing, Ron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I mean? It's, it's a good no, it's reminder real. to us all. And am I sitting on the sidelines to allow a culture like that to occur, right? Because we, we're going to point the finger at Robert Sarver, right? But there's a lot of people that were in that room, a part of it, that had the power to speak out on it years ago and hold him accountable so it didn't become this, too. So, again, yes, what he did was absolutely wrong. But as individuals of a culture that we want to establish as a community, we can't allow individuals to do that, even though they may pay our, our bills, our checks, reminder, right? What's, yeah. more, what's more important to us? Because as a society, we're saying one thing is more important than the other. And so let's start acting like it as well in these environments. And obviously, collectively, you can make change. It's not like you got to step out by yourself because there's a lot of people that stepped out and said, hey, this isn't right. Let's not allow it to happen for, I don't know, 20 years. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's step up and, and, and stop yeah. it, nip it in the bud before it even becomes an issue like this. 
Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. I don't know if you are somebody that was affected by this, if there was really any outcome that was going to make you feel better, right? No. But, but at least this is this is, this is is not, hey, this guy's suspended for a year, but he'll be back in a year like nothing happened, right? And so now this is at least, this is something. Um, as far as the timing of it, from the team's perspective, I have to think, you know, if, if the players, if Chris Paul wants to talk about this on Monday, or if he wants to talk about this in six months, he can. He's got his own platform. He can do it on right. Twitter. He doesn't need a microphone. But I have to think as a player, you're kind of you're, you're you're glad it's getting taken care of before you even have to go out there and do media day next week. Yeah, because you, you're going to talk about it on media day, yep. and then that's pretty much it because it's no longer a story. It's no longer well. Have you talked to Robert? How is he doing? You know, especially for those guys that have a relationship and he's still an ownership. You know, you don't have to constantly and uh, you know revisit that and what's going to happen. You know, it, it's it's over in that one day. You kind of move forward, and then um, hopefully the team is good, and then people really kind of just push it to the side. Yeah, I was really excited for the players. I really was because now all of a sudden they can get on to the business of actually being professional right. basketball players. Right. All that distraction that is out there, of course. I was also excited for the coaches. Yeah. Again, you know, now all of a sudden they don't have to worry about trying to frame everything up for these players and, and, and try to frame it up so they can control how the players are thinking and where their focus is. They don't have to worry about that. They can just be coaches. I was thinking about to James Jones in particular, right? As a general manager, doesn't have to worry about this right now. Going forward, Monty Williams, of course, right? Even the staffers that show up can actually focus on doing their jobs. I think this is a this is a step into the future and that's the direction you wanted to go especially for guys like James Jones and Monty Williams that not only do they have to prepare their players and be like okay look I know you you're trying to focus on your actual like game but you, this is how you got to answer this or handle this or be prepared for this they had to answer the questions themselves. I mean, James Jones was I'm sure he probably will to your point so still get asked about it on media day but then now it it stops being a story that involves James Jones as right. much going forward. Uh, all right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back just how brilliant is Sean McVay. We're going to talk Cardinals-Rams next. The lowdown continues. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. A blue collar appeal to coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo Alexander. Turn our attention to the L.A. Rams on Sunday. The Cardinals win over the Raiders. Potentially a huge momentum boost, but now a thing of the past. And uh, and so I know most conversations with the Rams always start with Aaron Donald. Feel free to start there if you want. <laughs> but, but beyond Aaron Donald, what do you think when you look at the Rams? 
I mean, they're a good a good football team, especially when you look at their offensive um, their offensive scheme, right? When you think about Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, uh, both running backs, Akers and Henderson do a really good job, and then obviously it's all orchestrated by Sean McVay. And, and, and let me not forget about Higby either. Uh, just watching those; those are the guys that really pop, and that you have to be aware of when you're game planning for these guys. And so. When I think about the Rams going against the Cardinals' defense, I think about pre-snap shifts, and I think about pre-snap motions. Mm. Because even when I watch the Cardinals' defense this last couple of weeks, there's some hesitation in communication, um, especially when you get some motions and stuff. And so I'm going to confuse you before we even take a snap. And when the Cardinals have issues, and it goes back to even last year, is when guys aren't are not in their gaps, and you do that by making guys think, making guys have to communicate before the ball is even snapped. Because if you just sit stagnant as an offense, and I know I'm in the A gap as a linebacker, I'm staying in the A gap, and nothing else happens, I'm just run down here. I can be physical, um, uh, I can be fast, and then I can make a lot of plays. And so that is still the Achilles' heel in my mind to this Cardinals defense is. Is not being able to process and think fast and then get to the point of contact where all 11 guys are doing it, you know, where it only takes one guy to be out of their gap. And the running backs in this league, especially Henderson and Akers, they're going to find that open gap. And so that's where I see, obviously, Sean McVay attacking. A lot of zone with that uh, zone, weak, strong zone type of runs um, and allowing the running back to start one way and then cut back and find that open A or B gap where either a D tackle has gotten scooped by a guard and now he's out of his gap or a linebacker falls back. And when I say fall back, that means I maybe I had the B gap and I'm running to the left and all of a sudden I see a tight end go back the other way and I go back too far. I skip my gap and go back to somebody else's gap and then my gap is wide open and then a running back finds it. And so those are the things I think about. And then off of that, play action. You know, the boot, the waggle, and then taking some shots downfield. Um, obviously with Cooper Cup and then Higby when they do some high-low combinations where they use Cooper Cup as uh, the cheese where he said he, Cooper Cup sits down short and Higby runs like a dig right, right behind him. Everybody's worried about Cooper Cup and then here's Higby with a, a 10 or 12-yard catch, right? And so those type of things are the things I see that they've been successful with, um, especially last week. The, the first week versus the Bills, they had, they had nothing at all. But last week they got into some offensive rhythm. And especially Threw that in when, there about not having nothing against the Bills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, of course. We know, you know, you know where my, my, my heart yeah, lies. Man. You know, I play you know. the park yeah. here momentarily, <laughs> all right? But, you know, it's, it's amazing because when I hear you talking about the Arizona Cardinals defense, of course, matching up with the Rams offense, and I think of the Rams offense with the shifts and the speed motions yep. and a lot of that stuff, I think of Zayvon Collins. All right, that's, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. who I think of. Right. I, I think of the eyes of Zayvon Collins in particular, and yet Zayvon Collins, I, I, I don't know about you. Juzo, I think Zayvon Collins, for the first time since he showed up here, I think Zayvon Collins, the arc is pointing up yes. on Zayvon. What do you see? Yes, it's a, it's a it's an incremental build, and that's great for him because last year was all helter-skelter, and so he's had some consistently consistency of getting better week to week, and that's what you want to see for a young man that struggled, especially early in his career. Um, and so for me, when I watch him, eyes – are much better, and he's getting to where he, he needs to get to 
but it's a little <laughs> right. There's a little, it's a little. It's yeah. a little like let me come down and you know when a guy he runs to something, himself. right? He doesn't trust it. He ends up in a spot, but he's right. like, should I be here? Versus I'm here, and with that, it causes him to be a little soft. And he's not a soft dude because I've seen him when he's not thinking, come down and you know slap <laughs> cats on the helmet right. and put guys going back. So I guess this, I'll and, I, and it's a trade off. I'd rather him be where he needs to be. Versus um, not where he needs to be because where you, when you're not where right. you're supposed to be, those are the big plays. So right now he's getting to a spot, and then he's making some splash plays within there. Um, and so I, I expect, based on the trajectory, you know, week five and six, we'll start seeing him no longer kind of waddle down into his gap. He'll, he'll start sprinting down there and right. making him be even more impactful and more physical because that's who he is as a, as a player when he's not thinking. Uh, this is uh, Sean McVay yesterday talking about Matthew Stafford, who has five interceptions in the first two games. This guy's a great quarterback, Gary. I thought he had great command the other day. You know, there's so many different things that a quarterback is responsible for before the snap. And, you know, one of the things I've always been so impressed with with Matthew is that he's able to come off right after and he's able to articulate what he saw. It's not waiting until he's looking at the pictures and he has an intent and a reason behind different things. And then we learn from it. It's no different than if I end up making a bad decision that wasn't in alignment with some of our process and our preparation. So when you're going up against, yeah. let's say you're going up against Stafford. I mean, everybody knows what he is. He's been in the league for a while. He just won the Super Bowl last right. year. Won the Super Bowl last year having interception issues, but still yeah. obviously overcame him and won the Super Bowl. How are you defending against a guy like that? Well, you know he's going to throw you a couple as a defender, and so you got to be ready to take advantage of that. You yeah. know, I was just watching I, maybe the first half or so uh, right before we came on, and one of the interceptions last week versus the Falcons, um, his receiver had a one-on-one. So he's, oh, I'm going to throw this up. And the ball wasn't the best ball. Uh, his receiver had a shot on it and just couldn't get the, get the ball away from the defender, but it was it was a calculated throw. You know, we've seen him throw some real bad ones. Yeah. But that one's like more like to what Sean McVay is saying, like, okay, as a player, I saw this. Let me give my guy a There's chance. A it's a one on one fifty fifty ball. He had Cooper Cup wide open out, but he was like, Man, I'm about to take this shot. And as long as it happens early in the game for the most part, I mean those things are recoverable, especially when you have the type of defense they have and there's a reason behind it. Cause it's always setting something else up. Cause next time maybe he checks it down to Cooper Cup and everybody's playing deep and and now Cooper catches it and runs, you know, and it's a big play. So I'm okay when it's calculated like that and that's what you gotta be. So but as a defender, you gotta know it's coming. He's gonna he's gonna test you and he's gonna give you an opportunity to make a big play and then you have to capitalize on it. Cause if you don't, like we saw with the 49ers last year, they end up beating you and then they win the championship. Yep. So you have to cap you have to um capitalize on, on when that ball comes. We saw it with the Cardinals last year when they beat him too, Byron Murphy capitalized. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, there's no doubt about that, man. How how much momentum do you think the Cardinals can take from that second half? I mean, are you a big momentum guy? Are you a guy that you think you can actually build? I think individually you can. Yeah, collectively, collectively I, I think anytime you win, you're excited. But if you are if you are a leader and you've been around the block a little bit in that locker room, how you play matters. And it does. And they didn't play well enough to win. And I say this. So we used to, Sean McDermott used to put this board up and have four boxes. One was play good, win. One was play bad and win. One was play bad, lose, play good, lose, right? right. And you want to be in that play good area, win or lose most of the time. And obviously you always want to win because that's going to maximize your opportunities of actually winning games. 
the way they played last week is not sustainable, right? Kyler made a great play. They had a questionable holding call on that last play. You can't bake on that. You need to be lucky a little bit in this league to, to get to the championship. But for you to win games week in and week out, you have to play consistently good because the talent level is just too hard to hope that Kyler can bail you out with his feet like he did last week. And then obviously his arm on that last play to, to A.J. Green, which was, was spectacular. And then the defense had to make a play in overtime. Stretch former versus Hunter, Hunter Renfro, who's one of the best players. That typically doesn't happen, right? So just so much that had to happen. So, yes, I'm excited. Yes, we got oof, oof, we got that. We stepped up when we needed to. But, hey, let's look. Okay, why were we in this position from the first place, right? We ha- They have to start better in their games and coming out. And so hopefully from from a coaching standpoint and a leadership standpoint, they weren't beating their chest because that wasn't a pretty game. So you're, you're saying we can't count on those nine things going right? No, the the no, game you cannot. Really the okay. statistically of it happening is, is crazy. Uh, I think, and then and, and they were playing the Raiders who for some reason can't win a game when, when they have a lead. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you're not playing the Raiders next week either. So you cannot, you can, you the, the the how it felt to win, what you did to win, you need to carry those things over and start the game with that. All right, we come back. He went from being the star backer and having all the responsibility on the field to not even really playing last week until late. What's up with Isaiah Simmons? What do we expect going forward? We're going to ask Zoe when we come back. The lowdown continues. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Sports. Fifteen-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke, a guy who epitomizes class, integrity, and is a true gentleman. The Lowdown, brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Hi, right, welcome back to the show. The uh, the two two players that seem to be talked about a lot on the uh, on the defense for the Cardinals. David Collins, who we already kind of touched on a little bit earlier, and uh, and of course Isaiah Simmons, who came into this season with all the responsibility in the world, and I'm assuming more of that responsibility is going to come back. I'm trying to go full show without saying the phrase "green dot" and see if able to do that. We just said it. But aside from that, it doesn't count. Uh, aside from that, though, just all the responsibility he was going to have on the field this season anyway. So I don't know about you. I, I was surprised. I think it was two snaps in the first half against right. the Raiders, and then he comes out and makes a big play in overtime. I mean, he does yeah. have that big play capability. But uh, but where where are you on how they are using Isaiah Simmons I, right now? I'm a little confused. All right, no, right, me too. Um, because you give you give this guy a lot of praise, um, rightfully so, because I thought he was really developing in preseason and, and um, just grown as a player. His understanding, you know, obviously to be able to be moved around, but then to go from I don't know how many plays they, or snaps they took, sixty plus in the first game to almost. Nothing or 15, that's a significant drop. Yeah. That goes from starter to like, uh, you're kind of a role player and we're going to put you in in certain situations. And that can really mess with a player's mm-hmm. confidence. And so you end up doing more harm than good. And I don't even know the reason behind it. And so I don't know if he just had a ton of mental, a ton of mental breaks, breakdowns, and then was unapologetic about it. So, hey, we're going to sit you down this week. But for you to take a player like that, give him a significant role, uh, and then he has some, 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 uh, I would say 
Last week he had some physical and mental errors, right? That where he got beat, but then to sit him down completely versus just reducing what he's what you have him do, and then allow him to go play fast and see what happens, I think can sometimes be a uh, a, uh, a disservice to the player long term. Because now, okay, where am I? I made that big one big play last week, so does does that put me back in favor to now I can be out there because of that one play? Where you can't work. It's about do you trust him or not? And one yeah. play shouldn't say, oh, we trust you now, versus that first week where there were several plays where he made mistakes and so you sat him on the bench. So it'd be interesting to see how they do it this week, but you can't go back and forth with a player because you messed them up mentally and then they start thinking so much and then they really neutralizes his talent and his skill level. Yeah, where are you on the whole, you know, we're going to play you in five different positions. Where are you on this? Um, if a guy can handle it, because that was my role, um, then great. But I didn't do that in year two or three, right? I had to I had to grow into that type of player, and it really came out of me moving around uh, maybe from game to game or season to season. And then when I built enough trust and, and experience, then, yeah, you can put me at four or five different positions within a game where I'm a D lineman, I'm a blitzing, now I'm coming from the defensive line, I'm, I may play safety in, in, in goal line or or short yardage situations, right? But I had all of these other experiences that, allowed, that I grew into that player versus a guy that really hasn't had any past experience, right? So you... And I guess because he showed it, let's see if he can do it. But he can't. He hasn't been able to do it in the game. So let's scale back. But we still want you out there because he brings so much athleticism and can match up with a lot of different guys. So just keep it simple with him. Let him grow into the player that we we know he has the capability of being. But it has to be a process first. You can't just throw it all on him based on what he's shown. This is why you're the one man gang on Twitter, right? Maloney just jumped in my air with that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is why. Yeah. That is why, and that's just how my my career kind of you know took off, where I was able to play those multiple multiple positions early you, in my career. You felt like you were at home though first, right? You, yeah, you I was a, like, so yeah. I mean, I guess, I, I and mean, my story is a little different. I wasn't a first rounder, right? No, I was right, a right. I was a D tackle when I came out. And then for me, my first couple of years, especially my, I'll say my second year when I was with Washington, I had to take reps at a whole bunch of different spots as a look team. So sure. I was actually getting reps at different positions, doing a, just practicing them. And then that next year when I made the team, they felt comfortable putting me at tight end and guard and then playing some D-tackle, defensive end. Um, obviously, it's not as mentally straining as playing linebacker. Did you say guard? Right? Yeah, I played Did a little guard. Play a little. But then also, we got we to gotta look at it, man. I, I'm also a cow guy, right? So I'm a smart football player, too, you know? Some of these other schools, they just ask. Athletes, man, they just athletes and run around, oh, man. You know, goodness. I was supposed to be an engineer. I cannot even see you as a butt you know, I was three, yeah, me? I was three fifteen. Come on, man. <laughs> but still, you were at least three fifteen playing on the defensive side of the yeah, ball. Yeah, you know, I do you a little bit of everything. And I was trying to get off the field with a little explosion. This mystery guest has lost 85 pounds since college, has bowled a high score of 270, and owns a 1966 Ford Mustang. He played five different positions in one NFL season and was voted a team captain six times. Okay, mystery guest, reveal yourself. One man gang, baby. And it was actually five positions in one game, not one season. So let's put this let's put this thing together. And that's but that's who I became, right? So 
and it takes a process to do that. And I'm I'm not mad at the coaches for trying it, but once you see a guy can't take that step because it's levels, right? College to the NFL. Can you play in the NFL? Okay. Uh, now, how much can you do at the NFL level? Because some people can't only practice. They can compete in training camp and OTAs, but can't ever get to the field because that's another step. It speeds up. And so that processing of information doesn't equate to you being able to go out there and be a playmaker. And so I think uh, Isaiah can be a playmaker, so we have to keep it simple first. He's not ready for all those roles because no. maybe it's just jumbling in his brain. I know he's a smart, intelligent kid. And I I wasn't saying I went to Cal like he's dumb, but I'm going to build up Cal a little bit, right? I just want to make sure he's a smart, yeah, he's a smart, intelligent guy. But to be able to carry all of that into a game is much different than practice or on the film, and when it's not live bullets coming at you, and it really means something at that time. Um, and so I keep it simple because he already has an issue of playing too fast because he's so athletic. He has to slow his mind down, slow things down, and be in position versus trying to out-athlete everybody and get there. And so he has to learn that first, and then you can start, hey, let's add a little bit here. Maybe week six or seven, you know, then add a little bit more. It doesn't all have to be at once. It doesn't all have to be at once, and then maybe it's just a certain package for a certain game that he's doing something, right? And so he can cut all the other stuff out, and then just in this goal-line scenario, I'm playing safety, or short yardage, I'm playing safety. I don't have to do it throughout the entire game from play to play. It just comes up situationally, which may be only three or four plays, but then I have my home. This was Cliff uh, yesterday when asked what he has to do, what Isaiah has to do to play more. Yeah, we're going to do whatever's best for the team. I mean, we were all excited about how we played and the progress he made and one of the biggest plays um, of the game, if not the biggest. And, and we felt like that was uh, attributed to the, the great week of practice he had, and he had another good day today. So we're going to keep him, him moving and we, we see what the ceiling can be, and we, we want to get him there. But so, like, the other part of what you were saying, that Chiefs game, where, you know, look, Isaiah didn't have a good game. It's not like he, it's not like the rest of the team played great and he <laughs> made three mistakes. Right. Like, the whole team had a horrible game, with the exception of maybe like two or three players. So, going back to what you were saying, what are you doing to his confidence if you're going to then sit him after that? I'm just trying to figure out if we're going to see, like, how much we're going to see him on Sunday against the Rams. Because to me, to beat the Rams, you need his big playability. You do. I mean, you just need his ability generally out there because he's a good football player. And so hopefully, like I said, they've simplified what his role is because he can't do multiple things as of right now. Simplify it. This is where you're going to line up. This is where you're going to be. And then allow him to grow and play in that space so we see incremental growth from week to week because of, of who he is. His ceiling, like they said, is very high. So he's going to give you some plays like he did that last play. He runs. He's fast, big. He's going to hit you. Um, but make it simple so you cut out all the thinking. Okay, am I safety this time? What's the rule for the safety? Because it may be a little bit different when I'm playing base linebacker, playing the same position. Mm-hmm. All those little things slow you down. And the game is happening split seconds, yeah, it's right? Not it's, not, it's not right. <laughs> right. Everybody else knows what they're doing. Yeah. And so <laughs> those are some of the things that you know, I thought it was a great – if he's shown, he can do it. Let him do it. The only thing I was worried about was, like, eyes and thinking about when you switch positions because it is slightly different. And obviously that was holding him back a little bit. So keep it simple. Put him back out there and allow him to grow because he's going to make plays just by being out there because of the yeah. type of athlete he is. Yeah, that, and that, to me, that is what I wanted to see from Isaiah Simmons. You know, I've talked an awful yep. lot about this. I wanted to see Isaiah Simmons, wherever he is, wherever he's lined up, whatever position you want to count him as – Make plays that change games. 
And that's exactly what he did. Right. He changed the game. Make a difference in the game. He, he actually game. was he was mugging that that backside A gap at the beginning of that play. They were actually playing a little blitz bell with Zavin and Isaiah Simmons as well in the A gaps. He was mugging that and then actually ran out and made that play, yeah. got himself in position to make a play and then made the play that totally won the game for the Cardinals. Man, that that's what I want to see more of. And Byron Murphy, too, by the way. If you go back and you look at the tape, it's one of the oh, cool things yeah. about watching tape. Watch him run to get over there, man. He's, yeah. on, he's on the other side of the field. And he's sprinting to get over there. Rally to the ball. Run to the yeah. ball. How you got Adam Sharks out there flying around. And there were three Cardinals around yeah. that and they, Yeah, and picking up the ball. And that's why I was there. Now, you talk about running. Did you see A-Dub on the sideline? Show yeah. like he can still <laughs> run a little bit, huh? Oh, I wish I had his number. I need to text him. I said, man, you be Byron to the ball, baby. We, we had to remind him to make sure that was him because I was like, I've never seen him that animated unless he's playing. Oh, yeah. He got like Steve up. was going to try to do something. Nah. No, man, I'll just shoot the fist into the air. And I yeah. know when he yeah. yeah, man. Zoe, great stuff, man. It's always good to have you in here. Always. Thank Thanks you, bro. Love you, dude. Lorenzo Alexander joining us for the lowdown as he does every Thursday.